Well, my name is Pete, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany Church, and it's really good to be with you on this Memorial Day weekend. I have something very serious to share uh, before we get into our two-part series on baptism. Uh, many of you know Ted Kerfman, guy with the cowboy hat, along with Jim. And uh, Ted passed away very suddenly uh, on Friday. And as I was thinking about what to say this morning in regard to Ted and John as they've been been here for uh, since the beginning almost, or have probably have been at Epiphany, but uh, reminded me Ted's life in the short span of time that I got to know him and his desire to see others know the Lord because he loved the Lord and, and, and that was a passion in his life. It, it made me think of D.L. Moody who over a hundred years ago, that great pastor in Chicago, and as he was uh, thinking about his uh, uh, future and at some point he was going to die, he made this statement. He said, don't let anybody ever tell you that I died because when that time comes, I'll be more alive than ever. And that really, uh, I, I believe, captures uh, the truth for, for Ted and his desire to be with the Lord and this mixed bag of, of joy, but certainly grief in the middle of that. And so I'll be praying for them as a family as they move through these days and these weeks and these months and future days ahead. I'll be praying for you here in a moment. So this morning, we're going to be talking about baptism. And as I reflect on the subject, I realize it's enormous in the sense that not everybody in the Christian faith sees the same things in Scripture in regard to baptism and what it says. So for our purposes this morning, we're just simply going to focus on what we here at Epiphany Station believe the Scriptures teach us about baptism. So ready to get started? All right. Three tenets that I want to bring out about the importance of baptism that we get from Scripture. The first is this. Baptism is done out of obedience to God. And any time I'm speaking today in regard to the need for baptism, it's with the understanding that it's a believer's baptism. In other words, it's somebody that says, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I know that he has forgiven all my sin. He died on the cross for me. And I'm going to be baptized as a result of that. So we call that, we refer to that as believer's baptism. The believer making the choice to go ahead with, with that. So the first is baptism is done out of obedience to God. And we don't have to look any further than Jesus to find evidence of that. As we look in the book of Matthew... Jesus is about to approach John the Baptist. Remember John the Baptist? He was that gnarly guy that uh, ate uh, locusts and wild honey, and, and uh, he's often portrayed as he's got a lot of rough edges, but he's passionate, deeply passionate about telling people of the need to repent, to change their direction and course in their life, and to be baptized. And so Jesus comes up to John, and he requests John to baptize him. And we'll pick it up here in Matthew chapter 3. It says this. 
Then Jesus went from Galilee, up in Galilee, to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you. So why are you coming to me? Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Can you imagine being John at that moment and, and as passionate and, and as um, sold out, I guess you could say, as he was in regard to uh, carrying out the message that God had for him? Here's God himself, Jesus, God's son, desiring for John to baptize him. In other words, it was God's will that Jesus would be baptized. It was necessary as it was at the core of his earthly mission. When Jesus went down into the water and came back out, God's spirit descended on him like a dove and rested on Jesus. It was God's intent that Jesus would be baptized. If it was necessary for Jesus, and it was, he shows us that baptism is an act of obedience. He acted out of obedience, and so ought we. Some of you that are sitting closer to the front, you notice this big old tank here with that nice warm water. And actually, we're going to give an opportunity this morning if you've not yet been baptized by water and you're a believer in Jesus, uh, to do just that. At the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, he says the following to his disciples, and this is taken out of Matthew 28, as Jesus will soon be ascending to the Father, but before he does, he says some things, some very important things to his followers. He says this, Therefore, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus, who chose us by example, now gives us the command to be baptized. Point number two, baptism is done. We identify with Jesus Christ. Now, let's picture this scene. In the book of Acts, Acts is commonly referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. But if we really look closely into it, we come to realize it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And here they are in that early church. We call that day Pentecost as all these people from various nations are gathered together in Jerusalem. And they begin to speak each other's languages as a sign that the Holy Spirit rests in a fresh and new way. Peter began to preach about the crucifixion of Jesus and what it meant to this audience. And we pick it up in Acts chapter 2 as Peter speaks. And this is what he says to those people gathered that day. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. To the minds and hearts of the people gathered there that day, listening to Peter, they felt a conviction.
what Jesus was and is, who he said he was and is, God's Son. And as a result of that realization, it says in verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Father, what should we do? They could feel and sense within themselves that something was left undone, that their behavior wasn't lining up with what God designed them to be and to do. And it leads them to ask the question, what shall we do? When we know that we are in wrong or something is incomplete in our lives, it really drives us all to ask the same question, what shall I do? In the English Standard Version, the phrase uh, where it says Peter's words pierced their hearts, in the English Standard it says they were cut the very core of who they were was actually bruised in amazing ways. It is out of our hearts, the essence of who we are as human beings, our souls. It's out of our hearts, that inner conviction that something is very, very wrong and causes us to ask, what shall I do? Peter replies in verse 38, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That great Christian author C.S. Lewis, when he's talking about the word repentance, he puts it this way. It is full speed assurance. Can you imagine this now? This Memorial Day weekend seems a good time to think about being on the lake to say you're in a bass boat and you have a 200 horsepower avenue and you're going one direction and then all of a sudden you stop suddenly and reverse direction and the train only speeds. But this is an idea, a picture in our minds of what it means to repent. It means that we're walking in one direction and uh, generally speaking, that's going probably going to be away from God, so that's our natural bent is to walk away from him. And all of a sudden we realize, wait a minute, there's, there's some conviction. How does that happen? Something that God does in our lives, sometimes it's by reading scripture, the Bible. Sometimes it's having a conversation with somebody who's a devoted follower of Jesus, and, and I just sense that there's something in my life that's not right because it's not lining up with what he or she is saying. At any rate, I realize that I'm going the wrong direction. And so as quickly as I walk away from God, I walk toward him and I say, Lord, would you please forgive me? I repent. I turn. I turn in every direction. And as a result, Peter's teaching on that Pentecost day, amazing things happen. Verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Now, Remember, this is the early, I mean, this is the very beginning of the church. And so, huge, huge shift in paradigm in their thinking in terms of how to live a life for anybody. And in that early church, the atmosphere was highly antagonistic toward anybody that would claim allegiance to Jesus. So, here we have uh, Pentecost taking place, and maybe a few days after, uh, Peter and John, they were in Jerusalem.
Jerusalem, and they were by the temple, and they healed a man that asked for healing that day. But here's the thing. When it was brought to the authorities, the Jewish authorities, the religious people, so on and so forth, they wondered about this, this healing that had taken place. And it wasn't so bad that they did the healing. I mean, that's a good thing, right? But they charged Peter and John not to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what he did it first on the street. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to walk. And so when they were confronted with this uh, newfound news to not use Jesus' name in healing people, Peter and John would have nothing of it. Why? Because it was at the very core of their being, the essence of who they were, that they were identified with Jesus Christ. And so it is with baptism. It is the means of identification with Jesus Christ. And it was no small feat for these Christian Jews to grasp that Jesus was indeed who he said he was. Son of God. And they were placing their faith in the one who was their Messiah, the anointed one, the one who died for them. This was a huge deal. And getting baptized solidified it in their minds and in their hearts and in the eyes of all who observed that day. Being baptized followed a change of purpose, following Jesus instead of themselves, identifying with him, claiming allegiance to him. To be baptized is to identify with Jesus. Third point, baptism is symbolic of new life in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at Romans chapter 6. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans, believed to have, and it starts out by saying this, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. The act of baptism shows us a picture of identifying with Jesus Christ and what his death and resurrection can produce in us. The physical act of going under the water signifies, reminds us of what Jesus did when he died and was buried in the tomb. So too we become buried with him. And when we come out of the water, we signify his resurrection coming up in his resurrection power, raised to a new life. Not only is this symbolic and mirrors Jesus' death and resurrection, but it's a picture of how a follower of Jesus is changed, is transformed. At Epiphany, every week we do what we call next step, an opportunity to put something to work in our lives that we've been, been hearing, uh, put one foot in front of the other, 
The next step for us today is kind of a two-part thing. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, or, or maybe even right now as you're hearing these uh, words from Scripture and, and you, you're, you're sensing a tug from the Holy Spirit to receive Jesus in your heart, to trust him, so if you, you say, yes, I'm a believer in Jesus. For those of you that have come to that place and you've not yet had water baptism in your life as that new believer, this is the opportunity for you to do that. On the other hand, there may be some of you, quite a few of you most likely, who have been baptized as a believer. And this is an opportunity just to, to touch base with that, to to reflect on that, to know why it was, recall why it was that you were baptized in the first place. Out of obedience to God, recognizing your need to identify with Jesus, and knowing that this is symbolic of Christ's death and resurrection that transforms you by his resurrection power. It's a two-part deal. Opportunity to come to him the first time as a believer and say, I want to be baptized, or to reflect on that baptism that you were baptized with as a believer. This new life, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, is what saves us. It's not the act itself. We can do all kinds of things that may seem good, but if I'm not right with God, if I've not yet trusted him as my Lord and Savior, I have no business getting baptized. It doesn't make sense. So we know it's not the act itself. No. The physical act of baptism simply affirms in an outward public way the inward change that has taken place in my life. Romans 6 talks about dying to ourselves. We read about that. The whole concept of dying to ourselves is, is a really difficult one and one that's often leaving us defeated in our lives. And, and we may develop this sense or this idea that I just have to try harder to be less selfish. And yet that's not what the Bible teaches us. It teaches us that we need to surrender. That's what it means for us to die to ourselves, to deny ourselves, to, to recognize that there's, there's someone far greater than me to which I'm accountable for. But that's the good news too because I can trust in his power. I don't have to, I don't have to just flail along in life and for always trying to get at or to change. No, I, I remember that I can't. I can't in and of myself make those changes. I need to trust his power in my life. At this time, I'm going to ask the worship team, the music team to come back up. They're going to play a song. Maybe God's been moving in your heart. Again, if you've not yet had a water baptism, we provide a time. Now is the opportunity to go ahead with that out of an act of obedience, identifying with Jesus, 
and recognizing that it's his resurrection power, it's his crucifixion and his resurrection power that brings new life into my life. So if that's where you're at, uh, here's how it's going to work. You just simply approach the front and indicate you're ready to be baptized, and I'll just simply ask you, do you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and recognize that it's he that forgives your sins? And you answer in the affirmative, we can baptize you. Also, the prayer team will uh, be up front here, as always, and they are so willing to, to hear your concerns, to pray with you, whatever, whatever is going on. might not be anything that's necessarily uh, tumultuous. It, it could be something uh, even that you're just wanting to share, a good thing in your life that you want to praise God for, whatever it is. Prayer team is here to be with you as well. So as the uh, music team uh, plays uh, for us now, and as we reflect on what God would have us do. Uh, may we just take this opportunity to trust him and uh, be obedient to his call.